Okay. Psalms 19. You that knew Carolyn's husband, Richard, you that didn't know him, in later years, Richard was blind, but he was a woodworker. One day, Richard and I were talking, I said, Richard, how do you, how do you measure stuff? He said, well, Bill, if I want something this long, that's what I get. So measurements to Richard was re very relative to what he was working with. The opening lines of Psalms 19 says the heavens are telling the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. I know David as a shepherd boy and then later on as king, you know, like us, look up into the sky and he had no idea. We've got real smart today and we know that light travels at 186,000 miles a second and that the sun is 93 million miles away and when light travels that fast it takes eight and a half minutes for the sun's rays to get to the earth do you know that <clears throat> and mars our closest planet elon musk wants to build a colony there it's 195 million miles away and if you google it nasa says depending on how you go it'll take you nine months to get there that's not for bill to be cooped up in a box for nine months i i, I couldn't do that But the heavens, you walk outside on a clear night and look up and see what the Lord has, has done. And we'll say more about that as we get through the scripture. But it is absolutely amazing. Next week, I'm going to vary from Psalms and we're going to look at a video that shows the creation's wonders it's about 40 minutes long and we'll just do that instead of having psalms but this place that we call earth and the beauty that the lord has has done i've shown you this before you're familiar with queen anne's lace a little Weed. It's an actual weed that grows on the side of the road. I dare you to cut a piece sometime and turn it upside down and look at the intricates of Queen Anne lace. God did a weed. We call it a weed. 
and yet it's absolutely amazing and marvelous. So when David wrote, he says, the heavens are declaring the glory of the Lord and their expanse in declaring the works of his hand. Now when we did Psalms 8, we went to we went to Job and when God answered Job about did you know that I stored up ice? Did you know that the rain is stored up? And we talked about when you go to the beach that God says you can go here. The sea can go there and not go any further. I mean, have you ever thought about that? And yet every six hours the tide changes and we've observed it and we put it in a calendar and we watch it. Who did that? This God that flung the heavens in space. Genesis tells us that he spoke it into existence. God just spoke it. Boom. There it is. There it was. If you can understand that, tell me. Because I can't. The miraculous we have in the heavens. Verse 2 says, Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Night to night. If God had placed the stars in the night sky, and the blackness would have communicated powerfully to all humanity, ancient and modern. There is nothing and no one out there. Have you thought about that? If God didn't put the stars in space, night would be total blackness. Total blackness. And it would have worked on us, as this commentator says. It would have said, there's no one out there. But he did. We have the twinkling stars and that kind of stuff. When Art was just a baby, Velta and I were driving from Dallas, and we were driving back to my home. And, uh, and we were stopped at her aunt's, and it was a, a stormy night. And we were out in the middle of East Texas, and the, and the lights went off. And Art was between us and bed, and I couldn't see him. Y'all have seen some nights like that when it was so dark that you could feel it and you couldn't see anything. Imagine just walking outside and not having anything. <clears throat> but God didn't leave us like that. He gave us... He gave us the moon. He gave us the stars. He gave us all this. It's absolutely, absolutely amazing. Verse 3 says, There is no speech and there are no words. There's no words. Their voice is not heard. The commentator says, No speech or language where voice is not heard. 
The glory of God in the visible heavens is for all us to see. It is communicated to all mankind, no matter what their language. It's a message that's gone out through all the earth. You know, there's an old song, World War II fame. The best things in life are free. And it says... Uh, the moon belongs to everyone. I remember my mother telling me that when dad was in Belgium during the war, that she would look at the moon and she knew that it was the same moon that he was looking at. And we romanticize those type things, but it's true. And if we had no sun, we'd have no moon. So, he says here, there's no speech and there's no words and their voice is not heard. Verse 4. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their utterances to the end of the world. To them, he has placed a tent for the sun. I had never thought about this. This commentator says, he says, uh, David poetically describes the nighttime sky as a dwelling place, a tent, a tabernacle for the sun. He said the sun comes out of its tent every day, crosses the heavens, and returns to its tent at night. Have you thought about that? We so take for granted the arising of the sun and, and everything that we have. And yet, there's not a civilization that hasn't known creation. The deepest jungle, our Native Americans, everything, Everything has had creation. Turn to Romans chapter 1 with me, please. We're just going to... There's a lot we could go about Romans 1, and we did. And But Romans chapter 1. Verse 19. You with me? Verse 19. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so there without excuse. He said creation shows them. 
Look down to verse 25, and I'm sorry to say this is where we are today. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Our modern society is very much about Mother Earth and the things that nature gives us. But they absolutely forget about the creator who put it all in place. It just didn't happen. Somebody described it as the Big Bang Theory is taking a watch, taking all apart, put it in a sack, and shaking the sack up, and all the watch parts went back together. That's about how crazy it is to think that some cosmic explosion put us where we are today. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. <coughs> Verse 5. Which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. He rejoices as a small man, uh, man runs to his course. He, he's talking still about the sun and the tent. You know, and when in the morning we... It's, we greet the son as a bride man, a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. And we rejoice that the sun is up like a strong man is running his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens, and its circuit is to the other end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. We'll talk about that in August, <laughs> about the heat. I looked up what happened if the sun went black. I don't know that you've thought about it, but it's, it's, it's amazing. He says if the sun went black, it would take, like I've said, n nine minutes for us to realize that it, the sun has gone out. The moon would disappear, as we've talked about. He says it would quickly become a colder place. We're not sure exactly what had happened, but the people who have studied this says it would drop below zero Fahrenheit within a week. Within a year, the average global temperature would be a minus 100 Fahrenheit. All photosynthesis in the earth would stop and all plants would die. God positioned the sun perfectly. Any closer, we would burn up. Any further away, we would freeze. That just didn't happen. <laughs> just didn't happen. God put it there. And David looked at what he was facing and he says, Folks, this is amazing. And it is. 
Now in verse 7 through verse 13, he switches gears. We'll read this and then we'll come back and comment on it. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, delighting the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord are true. They are righteous all together. Pastor Bobby has been trying to tell us that we as humans have two things about our Lord that He wants us to do. What are they? Obey and worship Him. Obey and worship Him. And in a nutshell, this is what David is talking about. Obeying and worship. Velta and I are reading through the Bible. We've got to 1 Kings and we're reading about the, the fall of Israel. God told Solomon, don't marry those foreign women. What did he do? What happened? Just what God said. He said, they'll turn your hearts away from me. So God says, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect. Now, on this side, on this side of the cross, I am so gracious, so grateful that that we're under grace. But the law of the Lord is perfect. He says it restores the soul. It gives us all the things pertinent to life and godliness. Why it does not give us all knowledge. All knowledge is, is it gives us true, perfect. Understood in its literary context, God's word is never wrong in science or history or understanding of either divine or human nature. I read scripture sometimes and Velta and I look at one another and we says, what does that mean? And I says, I have no idea, but it's in the book and I believe it. It's just that simple. God's law is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple the word of God is a sure being reliable and certain it's amazing it's amazing the precepts or commandments of the Lord are right 
rejoicing the heart. Because God's words comes from a God who himself is pure and holy. The word itself is pure. A pure God can communicate no other way. We never have to worry about the word of God leading people into sin or impurity. If it seems to have happened, it's evidence that the scripture have been twisted. And Peter tells us that. The commandments of the Lord is pure and enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Other, where in Psalms we we found out that that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and beginning of wisdom. Um, it's amazing. You know, we've said many, many times before, the biggest man on earth, when the sky gets black, he wants a hole to go into. The fear of the Lord is clean. The judgment of the Lord are true. They are righteous all together. They are righteous all together. David summarizes the beautiful chain of seven pearls which describes some aspect of the Word of God. Here he declares that the words of the God are true, righteous all together, and there's nothing false or unrighteous in his word. Then we come to verse 10. These attributes of God are more desirable than gold. Yes, than fine gold. They're sweeter than drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. Ecclesiastes, one, one time we'll, sometime we'll do Ecclesiastes, but basically, you read the first chapter of Ecclesiastes and the last verse. But Solomon, who God says was the wisest man that ever lived, and there'll never be anybody any wiser, he said, I've had all power. He was a king for 40 years in Israel. He had all the money that he wanted because the queen of Sheba went there and she says, the half hadn't been told all the things that I've seen, all the money you had. And in our world, power and sex are what a lot of people fight for. He had 700 wives, and I'll let you go from there. <laughs> so he had everything in life that he could possibly have, and he, when he got down to the end of it, he says, it doesn't amount to a hill of beans, Bill's vernacular. It's all vanity. But what did he say in the last verse? He said, believe God and trust his commandments. And it's all going to be okay. 
And David is saying the same thing here. I've had money and gold, and, and yet to be in the perfect place that God wants us to be is the best place on earth. Verse 12. Who can discern his errands, errors or acquits me from hidden faults? The Lord gives us some instructions. And he, he warns us some things. He warns us that we need to be careful about sin. He warns us for dangers that we cannot see. He warns us for dangers that we cannot appreciate. He warns us for dangers that may come in the future. He warns us for these things. And he says here he quits me from false. And he also keeps back your servants from these presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. And yet he's made provision for us. He's made provision. What are these presumptuous sins? When we know better, when we have friends that warns us, when God himself has warned us, when we've warned others against the same sins, when we plan and relish in our sins, God forbid. But he reminds us that sin is a progression. It goes from tempting or choosing a thought to a thought to meditation to meditation to wish for fulfillment for fulfillment to plan an action Planned action to opportunity sought, opportunity sought to perform the act. And when we perform the act, the action is repeated. I saw, Achan saw the wedge of gold. He saw it, he took it, he hid it in his tent. And when Joshua came to him, he says, where is it, son? He said, I buried it. And if, you can, if you're honest enough to look in your own life and come back, you know that it's the same thing with you today. Human nature hadn't changed. And yet David said, don't let it rule over us. Then he winds up with verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. So many times when we go back to verse 1 and we look at, at, at the little preamble that is there, the works, excuse me, the choir director, a psalm of David. By the way, 
what I've been reading from is Enduring Word, Psalms 11, uh, 19, Enduring Word. You can look it up online. So, again, it's not original with me. But he says the chief musician, he thinks, the chief musician in this Psalm of David is to be believed to be God himself. Gloria Gaither wrote a little reading that they used in their concerts from time to time when they sang a particular song. And this is what she said. I like to think that before time began, before the world was created or the galaxies flung into space, there was God. And he was singing his song. The music was so beautiful that it had to be heard, so God created. Down through the ages, he's always had his singers who picked up fragments of melody, hummed bits of harmony, wrote uh, phrases of poetry or danced short movements. But no one has ever heard the whole song since the day God sang it along, alone. One of these days, when we gather all his children home, and one by one all the singers of all the ages will lift up their voices, filling up the parts that life taught them, at last we will hear love's sweet song as it was conceived in the heart of the great songwriter himself, and it will be perfect. I don't know if I'll ever have a request, but I want to be on the front row to hear that. When Jesus was going into, into uh, uh, Jerusalem for the last time, Luke records the fact that as they were going in there and the children were coming and shouting hosannas and, and praising him. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered and he said, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. The stones will cry out. Well, We've just got enough time. If I can, I don't have my players today. So we'll listen to this one song if I can get it queued up. Jerry, if you'll push this podium out of the way.